Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. It's another Saturday, and that means it's time for another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Howdy, everybody. I'm Harry Alexander, Bunker to France here. Howdy. Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Gentlemen. There he is. Gentlemen. <laughs> Time, our, time delay. <laughs> time delay, yeah. It's, it, it is, an, they are an hour behind us, though. You know? Oh, that's right. So, <laughs> actually, he said that an hour ago. An hour ago, right. We're just catching up now. Uh, today's program is going to be a goodie. We've got Trudy Angel uh, with us. She's a, a documentary film producer, and uh, we're going to talk about her latest film. You got any uh, uh, housekeeping stuff you want to get to? No, I, get I you know, the heck with that stuff. I want to talk about this thing because all it's right. just, it's, it's got me, it ruined my week. That's all I did all week long. Todd Roberts, you're, you're the man who found this uh, incredible guest. Give her an introduction. Well, I was so uh, lucky that uh, the Autry um, had a screening of her film and I just. I read a little blurb about it, and I said, I want to go see this, so I, I'm even luckier that I can drag Nola anywhere. She'll, <laughs> she'll go anywhere as long as I give her chocolate. <laughs> and we went to see the film, and I, I, you can't imagine someone as nice as Trudy. So afterwards, the film, I, you know, she was so pleasant to listen to afterwards when she did question and answer. And after that was all done, I went up and started talking to her, and she was even more pleasant uh, one-on-one. And... I said, you know, would you be willing to come on our show? It's like sitting around with three old guys uh, drinking coffee. You'll feel very young. And she, <laughs> she laughed at me and uh, said, uh, sure, sure. And, I, and, you know, I say that because this woman is uh, a little bit of uh, Wonder Woman and Supergirl all combined. She still does pack trips. And when she started doing them, she had her daughter on the in the saddle with her. This is a this is a person who loves uh, cowboying more than we do. All three of us combined. Oh, so I think that's the best introduction. <laughs> Welcome to the program, Trudy Angel. Thank you for being with us. I just want to I want to say this up front. Get it out of the way. Watching this film, it made me. It took me back in a sense to, I grew up in New Mexico, and it, it was like seeing what ranching was like 100 or 150 years ago up in Spanish New Mexico. Okay. The movie is La Requa, and talk about it, Trudy. What, what, what's it all about? Okay. Well, thanks again for inviting me here to this uh, fun coffee coffee clutch of, of you three guys, and <laughs> I should be drinking some coffee too. But, well, uh, keeping the water tr- truth water be known, handy. Truth be known, we're not exactly drinking coffee. Hey, I am right here. Oh, I got I, we're drinking. Right truly, listen. <laughs> we're drinking. I see. Trudy, we're, we're, Trudy, we're drinking Mexican coffee. Yeah, right. Like I drank in Sonora, which is black coffee, sugar, and that tequila. Is coffee. <laughs> tequila. Oh boy, that somehow that doesn't sound like a good mix to me. But okay, so Todd, I have a question. What, did you cry when you saw the movie at the Autry Museum in in Los Angeles? Well, I get a lump I, in your. Yeah. Did you get a lump in yes, your throat? I, I definitely had a lump in my throat. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Great. That's. It's a very I, I am beginning. Film. I'm beginning to find out, being a first-time filmmaker, that that's actually a filmmaker's goal is to to uh, get to your heart and and um, you know I had. I had an amazing time making this first film. I'd really not been so deeply involved in making a film. I'd been in the periphery of uh, a couple of other films and documentaries and and then just uh, TV shows that were filmed in Baja, back in Baja California Sur, down here, way south, about two-thirds of the way down the, the Baja California Peninsula where I've been living for 40 years in Loreto. So um, that's, a, that's a really quick nugget of background on, on my life down here, running tours, both kayaking back in the 80s and then moved into to mule packing 
um, in about the 80s and 90s as well. So I've been around a while, and um, that's why I think you said just a little bit ago you could call me La Caponera, the, the bell mare, or the uh, reina of riding trails in Baja. <laughs> and um, now that's what this so, movie is. That's what this movie is about. <clears throat> is, <clears throat> pardon me, is um, doing a trail up, uh, with with mules, and th- th- these were original trails, or close to the original trails, as many of the Spanish ancestors took uh, back in the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s. In the 1700s and 1800s, for sure. So, yeah, the, none other than El Camino Real, which uh, those of you in, in on the western states, and, or at least going up uh, western California, yeah. uh, might realize, remember that El Camino Real, when you study fourth, fourth grade history in California, they started... Um, they said in San Diego and went up to as far as Sonoma, California, and that was El Camino Real, which is basically Highway 101 mm-hmm. uh, going up right now. But where it really started um, was here in Loreto in 1697, mm. when the when the Jesuits came in and started founding uh, the mission system that stretches from here all the way up to Sonoma. And so we got to ride some of the old stretches of actual El Camino Real from 325, 320 years ago. And we got to film some of that with drones, some of it with cameras, and in places that have probably never been filmed and shown in public before, uh, just because we get so remote. And I've been riding those trails for about 30 years anyway. And so the, the background story, for, uh, in a nutshell, too, is that my, one of my old cowboy friends, Dario Higuera Mesa, is a saddle maker. So he's a tra- traditional old California saddle maker, which is a whole different style of yes. saddle down here. Do you know that saddle? The, yes. the one yes, with I the do. built-in saddle bags in, in the front, uh, just below the pommel, and uh, really an amazing saddle that protects the cowboy out here with, like with a, a pair of bil- it's like a yeah, chaps almost. that go over the, the top of it that are actually called armas. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you know, Dario is just amazing. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the whole thing, I, I'm kind of stealing your story for a second here, but the whole thing is, is Dario's dream to recreate the merchant trips that his his ancestors made uh, taking goods up and down the Camino Real and in preparation, how he made all of that here and everything. It just, it, it's, it's, it is such a, uh, I, it, I'm generally not stuck for words with the, this. This thing just it takes it takes my brain away. Yeah, it's um, it's such you know that was exactly what Dario wanted. He wanted uh, to share that old history, which wasn't too far back in everyone's past here on the Baja California Peninsula, mm-hmm. because when you think about it, before there were roads, there were trekkers, there were pack trains that had to move goods from village to village or from the coastal villages where maybe a boat could come into, but then how to get to those uh, goods up into the ranches and the villages in the mountains was only by pack animal up until the 1950s and 1960s even. Mm -hmm. uh, There were pack trains running goods to remote roadless ranches. So before there were... There was a, a paved road in the um, early 70s here, all the way down the peninsula. Um, that, that's how a lot of a lot of goods got delivered. There were still a lot of people living in the back country. Some of the ranchers off, off the grid. Yeah, some of the ranchers <laughs> up here, you know, in the high Sierras, up up into the 40s, they were still do, running pack outfits up into their summer sure. camps, and, yeah. and you know, yeah. it was just part of the working life. Your your film Trudy has uh, won the uh, uh, award of merit from Indie Fest Film Awards, and um, that's got to be a nice feather in the cap for a first time filmmaker. 
Yeah, and, and what was even more amazing for me being a newbie and, and pretty naive about this, but uh, once the film was pronounced finished, and I've got some more stories about how we did the production and the post-production. It was okay. that's really fun uh, with a with a wonderful team of young creative people here down in down in Mexico in La Paz, and. Um, <clears throat> but when I when we pronounced this, the film finished and it was time to start looking at film festivals, well, well so many people say to me, oh, did you like, um, it, did it go to Sundance and now it's in Netflix? Is that how that works? And it's like, no, 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 that's not at all how it works, <laughs> I come to find out. Mm -hmm. And um, so at the time that it was finished, which was uh, 2021 in January, then I had to look through um, a website called Film Freeway, and that's where documentary or any filmmakers go to to try to start moving their film into a festival run mm -hmm. and submitting their film to those to those festivals. So you basically look at what comes up uh, closest to your. You know, what what has openings for submissions closest to a type of film festival that you think might be good? And it turns out that the film, the Santa Barbara, California International Film Festival, was just about to close in a couple days for the final final ability to to submit. And being as neat and naive as I was, I thought, oh, this would be a nice world premiere uh, spot to, to put this uh, film into. And, um, and oh, look, there's Houston World Fest, one of the longest-running film festivals, if not the longest, 54 years, I think, maybe maybe 57 now. Um, and, and, gee, that might work. And so I punched the buttons to those and paid the fee to have them start to look at my film. And lo and behold, a few weeks later... Uh, got a call from the director of the of the film uh, selection in Santa Barbara. He said, "Trudy, is your film is that film still a world premiere? I want it." <laughs> cool. Okay. So you know, you know, my film team down in La Paz and and Dario and his family and everybody we're we're on our own little WhatsApp group, right? Yeah. And so as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, guess what, everybody? We got into the first film festival that I that I clicked into, and then pretty soon, actually, a few days later, a week or so later, World Fest in Houston. Huh. Uh, our World Fest, yeah, Houston World Fest, uh, got back to me as well and said we would like to include your film in our festival. So we were flying pretty high. Um, then there were 30 other film festivals you submit to, and they only get selected by 10 or 12 or something. But still, we were we were on a roll at that point. Yeah, and uh, this is so uh, it's pretty good. Cool. Well, you know, one of the things I, that to me was so interesting is that, you know, the trip itself, 200 miles, 20 in 20 days, you know, with virtually, like you say, virtually no roads, it's just trails and paths, and well, that looks like a good way to go. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, we've ridden those trails so much um, already, especially between and the first oh. A week of the trip, um, there, there are trails that our mules even know, like the back of their hooves, and so um, you know that that was pretty easy to get out there. We did have a trail guide, a, a friend of mine who who works with me a lot here, uh, Jose or Che Martinez, and he ended up uh, just kind of being trail boss for the first few days on the trip between the small village of Comondú and the historic. Um, village west of Loreto here called San Javier. And that was part of old original El Camino Real and the most rugged part uh, of the whole trip. After that we followed some dirt roads we uh, the, the, the pack train would move over a ridge to another dirt road and another arroyo and then crossed a highway or two on the way south and um, had to follow dirt roads because some of the some of that El Camino Real now is just that's you know that's they, what it they is. just yeah that's what it is these yeah. days 
But there were probably about, uh, out of the 20 different camps that uh, the group stayed in, probably about seven to ten of those, seven of those anyway, didn't have any road access at all. So consider, consider what has to happen when you've got two or three camera people and they have to back up their their cameras and and download their film or their their footage of that day and and then you have to recharge and so we were packing yeah we were packing generators on top of those donkeys we were packing goal zero batteries not the normal pack train no not the normal no not the normal type of equipment that we that we usually carry that was so that was so interesting because you know when you watch the film you see the five participants but you don't see the sound guy, the camera no, guy, do. all no. the other guys no. that are riding along no, too. You, you know, never do. and it's so cool. I want to say I watched the the forty minute uh, uh, interview that they did with all of the crew and you guys there, and that was so interesting because so much information came out that wasn't in the film. Uh, I love your sound guy. He, his his final statement is, "Well, what did you get out of this?" He says. I became a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, right, and, yeah. and and he's got hair halfway down his back and had never ridden a mule before, and basically spends his time with headphones on filming yeah. <laughs> or right. uh, capturing yeah. sound. But and, uh, and this was this was a real good trip for him. And on that note, we're going to take our very first commercial break. Trudy Angel is our guest. She's the uh, producer director of a uh, documentary film about Baja, California. We'll be back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tanker Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net Today, more than ever before, women are on the front lines of America's defense. These brave women struggle and sacrifice to help keep our country secure. They deserve to be recognized for their service as guardians of freedom. Please support the American Legion's efforts to serve the growing number of women veterans. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're darn to. I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five were the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? 
We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voices of the west at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. You're caught up with, Harris. I know you're the man behind the plot to wreck this ranch. He's crazy. You're part of that gang. You're the man who's sent here to kill Radford. How do you know so much? That proves you're in on it. Get healed, Andrews. This somebody's gang is just one jump behind me. Well, he's lying. They're the men I sent for to help us. How do you know when you haven't even seen them yet? This is the Voices of the West. We're back on Abel Francie's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker to France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Our guest is Trudy Angel. She's talking to us from Baja, California. Yep. And we're, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say La Paz, but it's not La Paz. <laughs> no, it's, it's, no, it's uh, Loreto. 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 And we're talking about her movie, La Requa. And uh, it's uh, the mule pack train. Trudy, welcome back to the program. Who wants to go? Okay, I have some stuff here. I, Dario just fascinated me. I, I, I wish he was my grandfather, but I'm older than he is, so it's not. <laughs> that's not possible. But you know, uh, you know, just the preparation that he did. He made all of the tack. You know the, the leather work. You know the zukas, the zuka, and you can correct my pronunciation, Trudy. Uh, the mm-hmm. zukas, the that's the the, the pack train, the, the zuronis, the rawhide bags with the hair out, the afforhas, the boxes made of rawhide, which in, in the cowboy world up here we call them panniers. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know it, he tanned it, he worked it all by hand, and then hand tooled the saddles that they were using, made the leather hat that he wore, this was what they wore back then. Right. Uh, he, the, the man was, he is the epitome of what the West, you know, the old West was, and is still yeah. today in Baja. Yep, and he's the epitome down here in in Baja California, sir. He's so well known as uh, the legendary, he's had... He's had people, uh, you know, make uh, particular parties around him and honorings. In fact, I'm looking at one on my wall up here, a little poster of of when they decided to um, honor Dario for all of his knowledge. And in the little village of Comondú, where we started La Requa, every year for the past five or, oh gosh, maybe seven years now, they've had a... um, Kind of like a fashion show for cowboys, uh, for the va- <laughs> for the vaqueros down here to try to show off who has the best um, original, traditional, uh, most authentic oh. old California gear, and Wonderful. it would always be Dario who would win, and they finally had to eliminate him. But <laughs> then, he, but then <laughs> because he won every year, and so. They, they kind of said, hey, would you be a judge instead? And, <laughs> and and then what he did was after we ran La Requa and filmed it in 2018, then for that contest in 2019, he submitted, they submitted his grandson who rode along with us oh. in a saddle that Dario made with all of the exact traditional old vaquero stuff. And uh, then, of course, the ten-year-old, eleven-year-old grandson won the grand prize that year. I imagine the grandson is following in Grandpa's footsteps oh, yeah. uh, to make, in terms of making uh, those kinds of things, right? <clears throat> yeah. Well, at least he he honors that. He's working on the ranch a lot with his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much he's going into the leather working end of things, but he certainly is becoming a a great little rancher working alongside his dad out in the back country right now. And you know, when we filmed the made the film, he was eight years old. Yeah. Uh, darlingest little vaquero, old California vaquero. Riding along on his burro, and yeah. uh, now he's now he's five years older and just a great kid. Re- really beautiful family. That whole the whole family of Daddy, a very honorable, respectful, yes, and uh, great great family. What was what was Dario's 
not, not, not motivation, but wh why did he want to do this? What, what prompted well, he, him? Yeah, you know, at the beginning, he, he remembered being, sitting around campfires with the old Packers um, back when he was a kid at eight, nine, ten years old, and hearing the stories. And because all of his life he lived in the back back country and was an old California rancher, then and has ridden much of the peninsula himself in his youth and was a uh, you know broke horses, broke uh, rope bulls, and and did all that cowboy stuff. But he remembered those stories from his childhood around the campfire. And for many, many years, he had told his family, you know, I've, I've always wanted to reenact an old-time pack train. So it was in actually 2017, I was riding through uh, his ranch. We would do a loop, uh, a week-long uh, camping trip, a uh, loop through the Sierra de la Giganta behind San Javier. And mid-trip, mid we would stop off at his ranch. And being the wonderful, hospitable family that they are, and being such a charismatic teacher that Dario is, he was once again uh, explaining and showing his old equipment that his dad had made, and he had made uh, in his tack room. And suddenly he stopped mid-sentence, and he looked at me and he said, Trudy, you know... I've been wanting to do this. I'm going to be 70 years old in a couple of years, and, and I've been wanting to reenact an old-time pack train like my grandpa used to do for many, many years, and I, I just got to do it. And, and, I, and he looked at me, and he said, and I want it on film. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, and okay, said. <clears throat> I'll help you. <laughs> Not and realizing about, what you, know, you were getting into, right? <laughs> yeah, I really stuck my foot in my mouth there. But, um, boy, what a what a learning curve. My learning curve, I always say, is 90 degrees straight up. I, I really didn't know what I was getting Many into. Many hats. But it all worked out. And, uh, yeah, so that was his dream for, for many years. In fact, our working title for the film uh, first was La Recla Dario's Dream, because that's exactly what it was. And... Um, yeah, just really fun to, to help him realize his dream and at the same time capture a bit of that history that would have been lost in the dust. So, um, you know, and, and the film has actually won many accolades, many awards because of that, because of his, his uh, perseverance in, in putting, like you said, working um, many, many hours, uh, you know, he he not only makes the saddles, he raises the cow, kills the cow, skins the cow, tans the hide, mm -hmm. and then makes a beautiful, artful saddle out of it. So, you know, uh, we, 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 need to, we, you know, we need to mention the granddaughter, too, because she was there the whole trip. And one of the things that really stands out in the movie is, especially is Dario and his grandson, that bond and how they just, you can just... You can just feel that love and respect bouncing off of each other. And one of the things that stood out to me is that the children, that there's there's such respect between them and the cowboys, the grown-up, back and forth. And these little guys, their hands, just like the grown-ups, they, they sure. pull their own weight. You know, you, you, they're not like the, the you know, teenagers up here that can't do anything but push a computer button. These kids are hands. <laughs> yep. I, we agree, and, 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 you know, that comes up as a, as a bit of a thread through the movie as well, with the elders all saying, eh, kids these days, they don't know, you know, they, they just want the easy way out, and uh, so we can all relate to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the wonderful thing is that little girl, the 10-year-old Asusena, was actually not related to Dario Ricardo, her dad, and she were invited to go along That's on the trip. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, but oh, no problem. It, it's uh, it it doesn't become real clear until you watch the movie once or twice or three three times maybe. But um, but in fact, uh, they're from a whole different mountain range, and she grew up on a roadless ranch, and as well as did Ricardo. And Ricardo is very eloquent in his way that he can speak in front of the camera. 
Uh, the children at first, both of them, the 8-year-old and the 10-year-old, were a little bit shy when they had cameras poked in their faces most much of the day and <laughs> and but pretty soon they all relaxed and they all became very um very at ease in front of the camera just uh doing what they did during the day and that's the difference between uh some documentaries that are historic documentaries yes. and this one which is called a verite which means you take a whole lot of footage and you just film whatever's happening every day <laughs> and then then you pull the story out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, here's the thing too: is that I'm 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 looking at this and I'm thinking, you got this group of people that are you know they're like you know in New York you said they're from another another valley different different but they're all like family they're all so inter interrelated and interconnected and you know it's like the her father is, I guess, a very respected musician. And when you guys went up to uh, Elko for the cowboy poetry thing, uh, their music uh, was the, one of the hits of the festival. That was really fun. Thank you for bringing that up. Because if anybody did make it out there to, in 2015 for the, uh, I think it was the 34th National Cowboy Poetry Gathering at that mm-hmm. time. Uh, we had such a fun time, and um, yeah, we we just had no. It was the thirty first uh, uh, that year in in two thousand fifteen, and uh, we had such a fun time. And Dario and Ricardo were in the film, um, and about six other cowboys and young a uh, couple young women from La Paz who are amazing singers. They were the bells of the ball. They were the hit of. Of the of the program for sure, and not to mention that you know they have a the Weigland Gallery there at uh, um, at the Western Folklife Center, mm-hmm. and I must say our our uh, museum museographers or museum designers, Carlos, um, gosh Carlos and Fermin, who were there a couple weeks before we even got there, trying to set up a beautiful display did an amazing job it was the first time that um the the western folklife center actually called me in the middle of summer because the display stayed up for several months he said trudy we've never had this happen before there are people in town who who keep bringing back they come back time and time again bringing guests and family and visitors in to see this display we've never had that happen before uh so we were just really thrilled to have been invited to the festival, but uh, really, really fun to share the old California lore uh, with the mm-hmm. greater Vaquero yeah. world. Yeah. All right, we got to do our next commercial break. Our guest, Trudy Angel, she's the producer, director of a movie called La, La, La Raquois, and uh, basically it's uh, about pack trains in old Baja. Yeah. Good stuff. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We'll be back. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. You've got some cattle you want rustled, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. A little lady up the road apiece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchmen to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but blank henchmen to pull off the job. 
what to do. You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scrappy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our rent henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, Get a Renahench to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahench, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. Sir Manolito's in jail in Nogales. I had heard he was wanted there for several charges. My son does not do things in half measures. Well, Sebastian, they're going to execute him. They have a firing wall set up. <sighs> I suppose I always knew he would end up like that. This is the Voices of the West. We're back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Our guest, Trudy Angel. Trudy, I, I don't know. knew we were always going to end up like <laughs> Trudy, that. I don't know if you uh, caught that little, little portion there of... Uh, of uh, uh, the high chaparral drop but and the high chaparral theme there. But uh, we always play that at the bottom of the hour. Bunker, uh, who's across the table here from me, uh, was in 52 high chaparral episodes, as well as bunches of gun smokes and Death Valley Days and God knows what else. If they don't play it, I walk. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so so basic, that's well, basically how I, that I thought that was pretty funny, pretty funny commercial break there. <laughs> uh, you know... You know I want to I want to kind of deviate for just a second because you know I watched a lot of the trailers about the movie and I just learned so much because there's so much information packed in them. But one of them that I watched wasn't a trailer. I guess you might call it a little post doc. Uh, it was about Dar- I call it Dario sees again. Es como ver de noche. And I'll uh-huh. tell you, I came as close to crying as I think I ever would. <laughs> I was so worried. Uh, I, I I became so attached to him and sitting there watching him waiting and waiting and waiting. I was, I mean, I was sweating bullets. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, um, so, so that film, that little 15 or 20 minute clip was, well, again, a, a true story about Dario, uh, because he had, he had a glitch during a, a fairly simple eye operation <clears throat> down in La Paz, and then a few months later discovered that, boy, his, his vision was really going. He lost one of his corneas. And uh, I don't know if it came through wow. in that little film, you, but what it. happened was... Huh? They show it. They show the operation. Yeah, they, they actually let our film person into the, into the operating room. We were amazed. He was amazed. Um, suddenly he was putting on scrubs and, and <laughs> grabbing his camera. But um, what what came of that was because of the San Diego or the um, excuse me the uh, Santa Barbara International Film Festival, when I guess some of the films they have sponsors for some of the films, and right about the time that we discovered the the sad news that Dario was going blind, he'd lost his cornea. We also discovered that one of the sponsors of our film at the film festival in Santa Barbara was uh, called C International S E E yeah C International. They go all over the world and they help people um, mostly with cataract operations. So I just pitched to them and said, "Hey, you supported our film. Would you like to support our protagonist in this uh, issue about his vision?" And our filmmakers down here want to make a story about it, and you all can uh, be welcome to use that as part of your promo as well. And they went for it, 
And so basically about a $20,000 endeavor got covered by this um, wonderful NGO in Santa Barbara. Wow. It's hard. I mean, (laughs) it, it wrenches your heart. It is just... It's so emotional, and I'm not an emotional type of person, but I'll tell you, it was, I was on pins and needles worrying. Yeah, yeah, and we are we just feel so fortunate that that all rolled out that way because now Daddy is back to making saddles again. So and cool. you and, know, and, him gone, sit, and him sitting yeah. in the theater, finally seeing the film, that was just so yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, it's a wonderful little clip. Trudy, earlier on you had talked about um, the uh, uh, the post production uh, and some of the some of the not not problems, but issue other issues that you had regarding post production. So go talk about that. Yeah, Um, well, I (laughs) I didn't see it as much of a problem, but maybe they did because I I was a budding director and, you know, never really got them a script or anything. They're like, Trudy, this is really unheard of. (laughs) Usually a director provides a script or something, but what do you want to happen here? So, but the fun part of it was we had, uh, uh, so the film, the people who filmed on the trail were Elizabeth Moreno, who's an amazing photographer about ranches and loves the history and culture of ranches down here. Uh, Mm. She was born in La Paz. And then her husband, Alejandro Rivas, and one other guy, uh, Eric Stevens, who lives here in Loreto, all were were basically the three to five cameras that were constantly on Dario and the team all day long for 20 days on the trail. Amazing drone shots. And so when it came to doing... Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Like those people you didn't see in the background. We were we were a whole team of more than who the five protagonists were for sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so the sound guy Rogelio, he also lives in La Paz, and they recommended uh, early on that Rogelio be the sound guy on the trail. And so basically, it all came together, and it still feels like we have a wonderful film family um but they they did a wonderful thing they they knew a friend of theirs from la paz who was then at the time that we finished the film in 2018 um or finished filming that we ended up going to uh he was in in mexico city and he ended up coming here to loreto and lived in my daughter's uh you know empty back bedroom and they turned her whole, the whole back bedroom here in the house into an editing studio for about wow. over a over a year. <laughs> you know, there's there's a story you need to tell us because this is one of the interesting things. Harry asked about: Is there anything that you know almost uh, was a big problem at the end? But there was there at the beginning, at like the second day, I think it was that uh, Dario's uh, chest closed up, and how you guys saved the day. Yeah, and some of the other background stuff that you didn't get to see uh, as we all jumped in, and I was trying to give him uh, some homeopathic remedies, some kind of rescue remedies, and a woman who I had invited along who was a National Outdoor Leadership School instructor and and, uh, vet, veterinarian, and she has a lot of outdoor wilderness medicine background, was saying, give him hot, strong coffee. Give him some strong coffee to you know, open up his, his uh, lungs and his alveoli so he could breathe because he really did have a bad case of bronchitis, which was kind of part of that uh, an original tension of the film is that, hmm, we don't know if he's going to make it. And sure enough, he, we all, he almost didn't make it on that second day. And but luckily, jumping in with some strong black coffee brought him back on his feet. And then, being Dario, he uh, you know recites a poem, <laughs> and, and it just shows his his strength, his charisma, his, his let's get it done kind of attitude. And then he carries on, and then he gets better. And yeah, just all all kinds of little background stories 
that could be elaborated on well, uh, eventually. Speak- I guess I do have to write a book sometime. Speaking <laughs> of background stories, I understand that a birthday present for your 13th birthday really changed your life. For my 13th? Uh-huh. Yeah, I got a horse. <laughs> yeah, and, and then I guess, and then we move you know, moving on a little further into the future. Uh, around 1976, you head down to Baja for an outdoor leadership uh, school, and I guess something happened while you were there because you virtually never went back except for I guess uh, summer times. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a recurring theme in my life, it, it seems. Um, I went down for a sea kayaking course with the National Outdoor Leadership School, which is, you know, the branch, uh, the main branch is based in Wyoming, in Lander, Wyoming, and they do mountaineering courses, and but they have branches all over the world. And I had the wonderful good fortune in 1976 to decide to, to sign up for a Baja sea kayaking course and to have uh, an amazing mountaineer and uh, horseman uh, for a uh, the director of the school at the time was Tap Tapley, who basically founded the school of Knowles uh, back in the 60s, uh, along with Paul Petzold, and then founded himself the uh, Baja branch down here. So you're and, quite uh, a sea kayaker, I understand. Yeah, so I so I did that for thirty years, uh, but in the middle wow. of that, or soon af- soon after I started that, so you know I went back north to Calistoga, California, where I was born and raised, and I bought a sea kayak, and then later that same year in '76, I was driving back down with it. It was a folding sea t- sea kayak at the time, and and I had threw it on top of my old 1965 Rambler American <laughs> and uh, nice. yeah it was a great car strapped and, the kayak uh, headed, over the top and headed south <laughs> headed south and never looked back and you know just would, would go north during summers and then come back and spend as much time as I could down here till it it eventually worked into a business and then I was doing that for 30 years was that but in the south? 80s uh, that was paddling south, yeah. And then how many years yeah. later did saddling south come along? Well, I had a friend who I called the, the grandfather of adventure travel down here. His name was Tim Means, and he started taking people uh, with his team into the Sierra San Francisco up to the north of us, uh, kind of in the middle of the peninsula, where this amazing World Heritage UNESCO rock art uh, panels are just giant great mural art and they invited me in about 1985 or 86 I think 85 uh, on a trip he and his family and his friends invited me on a trip down into there and I hadn't ridden a horse I'd sold my horse when I was about 18 uh, to go off traveling and and then Baja came into my life and sea kayaking so I hadn't ridden for about oh maybe 12 15 years uh, per se, and and I got on a Baja mule, which are like four-wheel drive horses, and <laughs> and we went down into the canyons, and I thought, oh, I want to be a cowgirl. <laughs> so once, <laughs> once again, I, I rode out of the canyon, got back to Loreto here, where we were living, and uh, started looking around for horses. And I got a horse a couple weeks later and started exploring the mountains and the history. And that's when I first started going, hey, here's another 30 years of, of uh, mm-hmm. you know, exploration to do out here. And then it became a business as well back in about the early 90s. So much history in Baja, so much history. we got to do our final commercial break here on Abel Francie's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts with you. We'll be back after these uh, messages. Stay tuned. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda, 
that's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management, 7411 East Tankaverde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at Voices of the West.net. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats, but did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're darn I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five are the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. Ain't you just a little bit out of your territory here, Marshal? I take my territory with me, and right now you're in it. This is the Voices of the West. Francis, Voices of the West. That's my music. Wow. <laughs> Harry Alexander Bunker to France and Todd Roberts with you. All out on the sea, all out on the old railroad, far as I can see. There you go. Oh. Our guest is uh, Trudy Angel, and uh, the movie that she has produced is called La Requa. 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 It's a documentary about uh, taking goods to peoples. So, Trudy, I have to ask you, um, in the making of this film, uh, what did you discover that you had no idea about? What's the biggest myth or, or awakening you had, and, and why? Hmm. That's a good question. Let's see. Um, well, I certainly knew 
about the 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 all the team of our protagonists are five writers from the 70-year-old Dario down to the eight-year-old grandson. We're all going to get along and be prepared uh, to to just have a great time as they rode down the trail. So that was no surprise. But um, I think the, the biggest surprise was what it really took, the effort that it took for my filmmakers uh, to be really able to do all of the technical things that they had to do. Now, like I mentioned earlier, we had to pack, sometimes we had to pack in um, a, a generator so that we could download <clears throat> the film and stuff. And I guess I had, it was a surprise to me how, how much, how hard they had to work. And um, I really appreciate their efforts and their enthusiasm for, you know, work until 2 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes they would be downloading, they would tell me they would be in their tents downloading their, their stuff onto, the, onto their backup hard drives and then to get up in the morning about four hours later and start filming again. And, and I wasn't really aware that that was going to be part of the deal. It was just a whole lot of effort. And um, they just have to be totally commended for all of the hard work that they put into that. Judy, now that you've got one film out of your uh, way, you're going to do another one? Oh, probably. <laughs> um, actually, because this is a feature dot, feature length, you know, hour and a half, we are actually starting the process of turning it into a, a PBS hour cut. So awesome. down to like 57 minutes, 47, 46 seconds. It's really uh, detailed. And then also, um, uh, I eventually would like to do an educational cut which would really uh, focus on what Dario's original idea uh, for the film, for the whole storyline of the film, actually had a lot more to do with capturing the history and um, talking about the how-to of, of all the old California gear and the style and the who were the major historical arrieros or the packers who went down the trail and stuff like that. So we still have a ton of footage to put together some educational cuts that would be, I think, very helpful in the background of uh, even, you know, California history right. uh, in order to, to really let people know, hey, you know, Padres uh, Serra didn't just plopped down from the sky into San Diego one day. <laughs> he had to travel along with Portola all the way up the Baja Peninsula doing exactly this, running requas with all the, the people who knew how to do that. And uh, that's how all of California first got started. This, this right here where I'm sitting is the original California. And uh, you guys up there, Todd, you're, you're in Alta California, actually. They've ruined well, it. <laughs> I, I have some other words or descriptions for it, Trudy, which I won't share with you. But uh, nonetheless, <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, you'd rather be down here, right. maybe. Yeah, yeah you, you're, you're right. You're you're in the real deal. <laughs> you know, yeah. on, on a sad um, on a sad note, I understand that this year is the last year of your. Uh, tour business and I'm glad I'm so happy that you're going to be going into uh, perpetuating the film and the stuff like that and uh, just thank you so much yeah well thanks and and actually we're going to continue on by passing the baton along to a few folks that have worked with me over the years so it's not like the tours are going to quit we'll Wonderful. still be we're yeah, we're we're still going to keep that going, and there's just too many wonderful things about sharing the history and the culture with uh, folks who come down here who want to learn that. That uh, we can't we can't let it drop. We're just passing the baton along. And on that note, have now I have a question for you guys. Have you ever seen the film called Corazón Vaquero? Aha, uh -huh, yeah, I was. I, I that was one of the 100 questions I had, Eric. Because it's you, uh, Dario and you, and I guess that was probably your really your first really uh, deep dive into this. 
Yeah, um, well, in, in fact, they listed me, Cody McClintock and Gary McClintock, a uh, wonderful saddle maker, uh, now passed away, uh, but from Descanso, California, up in the mountains east of San Diego. Uh, Gary um, and Cody decided to put me down as associate producer instead of what I was really doing was chief cook and bottle washer. But, uh, well, no. but they said, Trudy, you know, we wouldn't have met these guys, uh, these some of these people, if we hadn't if we hadn't asked you. No, to Trudy, I hate to, to cut in on you, but but uh, we're running over, and it has been just a wonderful, wonderful experience. <laughs> okay. And uh, hopefully, we can get you back because we haven't even touched the the uh, bottom or the meat of the subject yet. Really, thank you so exactly. much. Exactly. Harry? I would be happy to come back, and thank you so much. Thank you, Trudy. Thank you. Adios. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzik's Voices of the West. 